thanks for joining us again on Profit with a Plan podcast. This is where you can get some great ideas to create your most profitable business, small business. Just so you know, financial planning isn't only for those that have a lot of money or run big companies. A workable financial plan is for us every day, small business owners and professionals that want to make great financial decisions that lead to bigger profits. So join me, Marcia Reiner, your financial business strategist, fractional CFO, and certified financial planner each Tuesday for some smart ideas that can add more profits to your bottom line. I help ambitious business owners grow their profits fast using ways of growing their income and spending strategies that produce bigger profits without killing themselves or constantly chasing more clients. If you know of anybody that may be curious, share my podcast or let's chat and we can see how we can grow your profits in your business together. Today, I'm excited to have my friend Bruce Braver off again. We are doing part two of 10 things you must watch in your business's money. Bruce is a fractional CFO and um, a dear friend of mine, and he is the uh, owner and um, CEO of Your CFO. And so Bruce has uh, been a big impact in my life, and I'm sure he has uh, or will be soon in yours. Hey, Bruce, how's it going? Thank you for what a great intro. I'm doing great. Good. Okay. So what we're doing is we're doing part two because last week we did part one and last week we spoke about um, income sources. How many do you have? Where are your clients coming from? We spoke about um, income production, which is uh, what are your clients worth to you? Average cart value, you know, how many relationships you can get in with the same client. Uh, we spoke about income productions or um, projections, sorry, uh, and what are those uh, probabilities of success, uh, what's the time frame, and how can you improve it. We spoke about sales data, which was really, really valuable. Uh, we talked about what you're doing with your sales data and what are your key um, or your KPIs and then how to mine that data. And then we ended up last week on operational spending, which was what are the necess- what's necessary to function, how to make sure you have the right people in the right roles, and then negotiating on everything. So I think I caught you up on what you heard last week. And if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast because it was pretty great. Um, so today we're going to kick off and get started on strategic spending. And for those of you that uh, have listened before, you know that this is one of my key pillars that every dollar that you're spending in your business has to create an ROI. And so um, I think that that's essential for um, making smart business decisions and um, growing your profits fast. So Bruce, what are your thoughts on strategic spending? I think that every business owner needs to consider how they spend every penny. Um, It's, there's an ROI equation for, now it's my turn for those that you don't know it, what that means, that's return on investment. Okay, and, yes. and the fact is, is that I've got a great example. I have a client who I worked for, uh, seven restaurants, people everywhere, 260 employees, had a maintenance guy, real expensive maintenance guy, but pretty, really cheap when you consider what all he costs, saved us. He left, got a better job, and the owner decided that he needed to find somebody that didn't cost the $80,000 he did. He'd find somebody that cost $20,000. And then the owner was pissed that the guy that he hired was a numbskull. 
didn't know how to do anything, didn't have the training, didn't have all of the pieces. And it was that, do you not understand, you hired a guy to fail. You did not look on your return on investment. You're not going to get any return on a guy like that. Letting the guy go that was $80,000 a year was a stupid mistake because he did so much more for your company. He could fix everything. He'd been there forever, so he knew where every bone was buried. He knew where everything was. So not only did you lose the mechanical side of it, you lost the corporate history side of it. And those- I love that conversation. When you talk about corporate history, I think that that is such a missed um a missed area. People don't realize that, that, like you said, they know where the bones are buried. <laughs> it's so important. And, and so was, did he get a good return on his investment? Not really. Would he be gotten a better return on his investment if he'd given that other guy 10 grand more to stay? Yeah. And he'd have probably stayed for four, but he didn't want to give him, you know, he didn't do the, Oh, it's year end. It's brand new year. Inflation's gone up. So you get a raise. He'd left the right. guy for three years. Well, no wonder he left. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Look at them as as something that you get a return on investment. And it, and if you think about it, it, that just flows through your entire company. Look, you've got examples too, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Tons of them. Um, I feel that um, one of my favorite things to do that people don't realize is what your time is worth, your personal time. So if, if your hourly rate and your best job is to um, be forward facing with the client, then that's where you're going to make the most money. Everything else that you spend on your assistance, on your support team, on, um, you know, the, all the nuts and bolts that you have in your business, that's all supporting you. So you can be more, have more time in front of your forward facing clients and closing more business because that's your best use. And I think that when we're talking about, return on our investment. It's not always something that produces a return, but it's something that frees you up so that you can go out and do what you're the highest earning capability that you have. So I love that. If you're, if you own the business and you're the best salesperson for this business, I don't care. I don't care if you're the worst salesperson in the world, you're still the best salesperson for your own business, period. So, so you can be out selling, talking to customers, doing what you do best, or let's go do the accounting. Let's go get that done. I'll sit for eight hours and do what I could pay somebody else to do in 30 minutes. Right. Where's the payoff here, you know? That's so- think, think about your time and its value. You know, there, there's, a, there's a line that's the time value of money. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also the time value of time. Mm-hmm. Which one, you know, you, you've got to have both. And what's... This this is very valuable for both of us, right? Mm-hmm. What we're doing right now. Would Absolutely. We, are we better off doing this or let's go spend two hours doing accounting? Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> and we're both financial people. Yeah, so you, and the funny thing about it is you, you love that kind of stuff because you're the nuts and bolts guy. And you get in and you, you know, look at the gaps and the problems that are in the financing where I'm the big picture strategy gal. And so I can, I understand that and you understand my side, but we really understand why we're such a great team is that you understand your side and you stay in your lane and you're really good with that. And I understand my side and I know good enough that I should be hiring you to go do the nuts and bolts stuff in the accounting. But uh, it's, it's just, it's smart business. I'm the nuts and bolts guy. I understand accounting. I understand gap. I understand that. Do I do my own accounting? Yeah. (laughs) I've got, I've got somebody who's much better at that than I am. 
And exactly. it's use, you know, pay her, let her do the job. Every, my records are perfect. And, and it's a good use of your money. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm off doing this or something right. like it. So, so let's talk a little bit about growth spending. Um, I'm, uh, I think that, that um, another great strategy in most small businesses is to invest in growth. And there's so many different levels on that, whether you're, you know, spreading your, your, your uh, footprint in the community or whether you're growing your office space or whether you're hiring people. I think growth spending is a very, very, very important um, key on that. Do you got any examples that you might want to share? Well, I agree. Growth spending is the best, is one of the best uses of your money, but don't fall into the trap of build it and they will come. Yes, thank no, that, you. You're, you're not building a baseball field. The fact right. is, build it. If you have a manufacturing facility, and your manufacturing facility is running ten, eight hours a day, you don't add a second shift. When you get the first shift to where they're they're putting in twelve hours a day consistently, or thirteen, then you have the money to buy a second shift. Now you don't have it fully booked up but you've created all of this other stuff to make it happen and right. let it, let it run, let it do its thing. I, I think the other, that's a great, great, great point. I think the, the thing that you said that is super valuable is in the um, don't build it before you come. Well, don't spend also um, that same analogy in your intellectual property or your, or your programs that you're putting out or new um, services that you're offering. The best thing that you can spend on that is to spend enough to get the doors open, but do a whole lot of feedback. So you go out, you try it in a couple of different ways, and then you ask for feedback. Is this something you like? Is this something you could use? Is this priced properly? You know, um, I, I went through a course, um, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, that we talked a lot about feedback and how important that is in the business to get um, to know if you're on the right track. And then when it's successful and you know, it works and, and even more importantly, you've got enough buyers that are going to pay for it. Then you go mass production. Right. It's like in the software world, I do a lot of projects in the software world. You, the first model is alpha mm-hmm. and alpha is your bench test. You get you, you, alphas. Everybody insights checked it out. Now you finally get it to where it's, you believe it's a good product. Now you put it in what's called beta and you send it out to a bunch of clients that you know and trust and have them tear it apart. Mm-hmm. And you fix it, you send it back out, have them tear it apart. When you get through that beta cycle, then you send it out. There's a, the old saying is that most of the time when we get new software from Microsoft, the beta test is the public. We, you don't want to do that. You're not Microsoft. You want your right. to come out just bulletproof. So do the beta test a couple of times, whether it's software or it's a service or it's a new food product or a new makeup or something. Do the tests with people you know and trust. Make them your preferred customers, then blast it out to everybody else when it works. Agreed, agreed. And all these are amazing strategic spending foundations that all business should have in place and understand. And that's why we wanted to talk about this with you today, because these are part of the 10 things that you must monitor in your business. And absolutely, you must monitor your spending as well as, you know, that growth spending and making sure you're on time. Um, Let's move on to the next one. Number seven 
is actually marketing and advertising. So um, I'm a fan of understanding everything you do in your business has to be towards your ideal customer. Um, so you got to take that time to really understand who that ideal customer is and where do they hang out. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there are two types of advertising I was taught. There's mm -hmm. push and there's pull. Oh. And push is where you're reaching out to find your ideal customer. Mm -hmm. Pull is where you've already got your ideal customer and they're advertising and pulling more people into you. Uh, what the internet has done has made pull marketing much easier to do because we all talk about everything we do. But you first have to get that group of ideal customers and find them and figure out how to sell to them. And you have to understand and listen to what they say. I don't think, you know, we get all these, every time you buy something, you get this, here, take a survey. I don't want to take a survey every time. Right. But, but if I have the feeling that this is a new product and they're doing, trying to figure out where they're going, I will stop and spend the time to take their survey. Well, it's that feedback too. So it yeah. depends what phase you are. If you're in that alpha or early beta, or excuse me, if you're in that beta phase, you're going to be looking for that feedback. And that might be a sign too, um, as a consumer, are they in their beta testing and you're learning about their new products. So yeah, well, interesting. I, bought, I bought a product to shave that I really like. And it was, I wrote back a very nice, this is a great product. I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. and, and they, they called me and interviewed me and asked me, can they use my quotes in their advertisement? Have at it. I don't care, right? It's right. a case of the product as a gift for doing it. And they, oh, didn't, nice. they didn't have to do that. But sometimes, now, do I talk about that product whenever I get a chance? You bet. So was that mm -hmm. case of product really that expensive for? Probably not. And that's the sort of thing you want to do is – Talk to your customer. And if you get somebody that gives you some feedback that you don't like, pick up the phone, call them. Ask yeah, bad, bad feedback is just as good as good feedback because if you don't know what's going on and you don't know that that was something maybe that you missed in your alpha and your, and your, and your creation of it, this is something, I mean, bad feedback is great. There's nothing bad, wrong with bad that. Bad feedback's actually your better feedback. Right. Rather than, oh, it was lovely, it was wonderful, I enjoyed it, you know. No, I want to hear what didn't work for you. You know, so, if, if, you, if, you, if you run a restaurant and you're looking at your feedback and you're consistently getting dinged on your service, that's bad feedback and it should tell you something. Mm -hmm. You're a chiropractor and people say your bathroom's dirty. Um, yeah. There you go, you know. It's exactly. Feedback is, feedback is good. good um, great feedback is, is good and bad. So let's uh, let's talk about um, marketing and advertising. Um, I'm a uh, I'm I'm a study of someone who um, shared with me that either you have more time and you can do the 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 advertising yourself, or you don't have enough time and you have to pay for somebody to do the advertising. Um, and that to me is a social versus a brand um, or marketing or paid marketing. Um, I know that there's a lot of opportunities that um, business owners can and should be involved in their branding and in their marketing through social media. And social means not, um, not oh, this was my, you know, I was, at the, I was at a hockey game last night. It's more of, um, here's what we stand for. Uh, these are our core values. And these are the examples of how we're helping people. And you're doing that through the social media process. 
And then the other side is, let me give you a pitch that's going to draw you in um, that pull marketing. And that's going to be more paid advertising. But I think in, in, in our spending, a key piece, if you're not, if you're um, the only two, uh, and I've said this in the past, the only two real, um, real um, spending that you should do is going to be on innovation and marketing. And uh, everything else is a cost. So those are investments you put in that you should put a lot of energy, effort, and possibly money into. And so it's something that you constantly have to watch out. I know that Bruce and I have talked a lot about marketing and advertising, but I think that you can't say that you have to go all social or you have to go all paid. You have to find a balance of both because there's two communities that are going to pick you up. Those that are casually looking and those that you're targeting at, and you can bring both of those kinds of clients in. Well, there's also a big change. And and I've used this phrase a lot and it's becoming part of my speech is think globally, act locally. And one of the things that's funny is right now, internet marketing is not working the way it used to. Of course not. And everything changes. And one of the things that's coming back in (laughs) style to use is not is just a personal postcard, just mm-hmm. a simple personal postcard. The, the group I work at right now, they do, they do mass, massive work. And about half their work comes from sending somebody a postcard saying, hey, I saw this. If you're interested, please call me. And it's gone. And they've got people, that's all they do. But it's a great way to go. And you have to be aware of how can I reach? And I mean, if you're um, a local merchant, how big is your area? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're, if you're the local sandwich guy saying, come try me and I'll give you a free cookie. I, I don't know, but just a little postcard. It seems to be working better today than all of the banners and all of the stuff that you can do. If well, you're local. Marketing, even, even if you're, even if you're global, you have to be constantly changing and, and shifting and moving ahead of the curve and being creative. So it's not one and done, it's multiple streams in your marketing. And I think what's really important is that feedback and testing that we just spoke about. You're gonna wanna have quick results in your marketing. So that's your, that's your beta test. You're gonna send it out and you're gonna see what kind of response you get on it. Then you're gonna move to the next piece if that's not working or you're gonna tweak your message until you get it right. And that right window may only be a few months, could be a year, but you know, that, that window of, of um, using your marketing and having great efforts out of it is usually rather small. So it has to constantly be evolving. This is another super big thing that you've got to watch in your business. You can't just do something and go, <clears throat> oh, well, I had great results with that before. I'm just going to keep going on with it. Something that's got to continuously be evolving. Yeah, because the client, <clears throat> your prospective client, if you do the same thing all of the time, you're beating them over the head and they start. Yeah. And your competitors are constantly um, following you. um, Especially if you're a leader in your industry, if you go down to postcards, then, you know, a month later, they're going to be doing postcards. So then your postcards aren't effective anymore. So then you shift over here and then someone else will follow you. So that's, that's the idea that, that marketing, um, you know, actually goes on, but you're right. You don't want to, you don't want to pound the same information and same response to the, clients each time you go out. And I'm surprised at if you're, in, especially in the small business world today, with how little they really do to push them and their product in their own community. And, right. And, 
and it's all, I mean, they say the millennials are really more by what, not just what's your product, but what do you do globally? What do you do that is a reason I should come see you? Um, you've got to know your target and then you've got to market to them and change and also do something good. You know, part of yes. it, part, part of I, we both serve on nonprofit boards. We both do a lot of stuff. That doing something good, it pays. It pays you back in ways you'll never realize besides how great it is. So, And if, you, if, you, if your company goes out and does that and you put that in part of the branding, um, not as a marketing piece, but you do it, you, you have that, and then there becomes social awareness that you can piggyback on in your marketing that does pay out as well. So I love that idea. That's, that's a wonderful idea. I agree. All right. Hey, let's move on to cash flow. This is, this is, uh, this is one of our favorite sections. We, uh, we talk a lot about cash flow. Um, profitability is cash flow. It's making sure that, that one of the key functions is how much money do you have coming in? How much money do you have going out? And how do you make sure that you've got enough working for you, that you have money that you can take opportunities, um, you can pay down debt, you can do all sorts of stuff, but it's all about how much money you got coming in and what you have going out and, and the timing on it. So, well, what are your thoughts, Bruce? Well, the thing that most companies don't look at is that you have a sale, you've made your sale, you've made profit on it, but you've taken that profit and you've given the customer 90 days to pay. Uh, it, or yes. 45 days or whatever it is in your accounts receivable. That money is your cash. You're mm-hmm. the bank. And even though you've done a sale and you supposedly have received income, you may not receive that money for 30, 60, 90 days, depending on payment terms. And if that's the way you run your business, you need to be looking at your cash that is generated Every day, they make dashboards to do this. There are a lot of great products to do it because in an accrual system, you're going to be told, I just made $100,000 and I got no cash. Right. So you have to understand how you're looking at your cash and where it comes from. Um, I know I'm off in the weeds. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about, we're gonna talk about um, accounts payable and accounts receivable next. But let's talk about operating money and having a reserve on hand. Um, what's, what's the, um, first of all, in, in looking at your operating expenses, when you're, when you're running it, you really should have that as lean as possible. Um, you need to be able to operate, but have that money be as lean as possible. Um, you know, and, and then, and then make sure you've got a reserve going, uh, and, and what's your thoughts on reserves? Um, I'm, I'm a fan of having, having my money work for me, but at the same time, you know, shit happens, you know, and you got to be prepared for that. Well, I think that you need to have enough reserves that you're safe should things get wonky. And they're going to get wonky again at some point. So if you're, if you think this 10-year thing is going to go another 10 years, I hope you're right, but I don't believe it. I'm, right. I'm, I'm the old guy. It, it could go two weeks, two months, two years, but well, you still need to plan. Well, great example. Economy was doing great, and then these guys ran airplanes into buildings. Right. So you, you, it's not something that you could control. So you should have several months worth of your money, all of your bills. Your operating money. In a bank account, somewhere yeah. that in case of emergency, I can dig here. But the other thing you have to realize is that I was taught that working capital, that's the cash your business generates that you put back in, 
really has about a 25% return. So that money, putting money into your business is your best investment. But don't don't put so much that you have no cash. There's a balance here. And I like to have several months worth of reserves. I also like to have uh, a good line of credit. If you have, if you, because a line of credit is a reserve, doesn't matter. And go, go apply for a line of credit while you don't need it. Because when you do need it, they won't give it to you. But I don't care what it is you do. You're going to get a chance to, you sell a product. The manufacturer of that product is going to say one day say, Hey, if you, instead of buying 10 of these at a time, if you buy a hundred of them at a time, I'll cut the price in half. Well, you right. need, opportunity. You need to have the ability to snap snap up that opportunity. Not having enough cash, not having enough credit to run your business. You're you've got opportunities costs that you're missing. So yeah. look at look at in each business. You know, I'd like to say, oh, here's the magic rule, but every business is different. Different. I, I'm doing projections. You and I've talked about this, and to do projections is tedious. And I put out in the CFO leadership group, hey, anybody got a good program for doing projections? And you know what the comeback was from everybody? Right. They're all so individual. How do you do that? And if you find one, will you share? So (laughs) it's every business is a living, breathing organism that isn't like any other organism. You could have two Mexican restaurants that sit on opposite sides of the street. They're entirely different organisms and you if you think that if you think anything is one size fits all in this type of thing i don't have that answer for you i wish i did i know right but you'd 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 have you'd make you'd be rich yeah so let's talk about other people's money because you you had you tossed on that one um in the beginning um i'm a huge fan of using credit as as needed um, and having the ability, and Bruce touched on it, get a line of equity. But if I take a couple of steps back, you need to have two things, three things really strongly in place before you start using other people's money. You need to have your uh, business credit developed and, and uh, in line. You've got to have a, a relationship with your bank that you're going to go get that equity line with. You're going to need to have um, some funds in that account. You're going to need to have some sort of history going on with them. But not just your business account being important or your business credit, they're going to balance it against your personal credit again as well, because you're going to use a personal guarantee, especially if your business has only been in in existence a few years. If you've got a bigger business, then the personal guarantees may not be required, but you're going to have to have personal side, you're going to have to have business credit, and then you're going to have to have money. So uh, like Bruce mentioned, they're not going to give you money when you need money. They're going to want to see that you have the ability to run a business and have all these things in line. Then they'll give you the money and then you can use it later. But I have to say, having other people's money, um, the, the business line, maybe you're looking at um, you know, some sort of uh, joint venture or relationship that you could have off to the side that you have that accessibility to that kind of money because it is essential. And then other people's money could also be credit cards. I don't necessarily agree on it, but if you've got a a strategy to pay those off quickly, then you can use credit cards. But I think using other people's money in your business is is so important. And it will also in turn free up that cash flow 
So that way you'll have opportunities to keep the cash moving. So like, say you had uh, an expense coming up, a a, a $20,000 or $50,000 expense. You got $50,000 in the bank to pay that expense. It might be a better situation for you to use the credit line or to use some sort of financing to pay for that, keep the $50,000, and then just pay from the $50,000 onto that credit line. Because that will build credit. It shows your ability to manage money. It keeps cash flow, cash in your in your account. I mean, there's so many advantages of using other people's money that I can probably go on for a whole <laughs> a whole conversation on just other people's money. What are your thoughts, Bruce? Well, when I start with a new client and they're I'm working on one right now, it's a startup. Mm-hmm. And it's we're trying to build all of these pieces and get it to work. I told them to go lease laptops. Just go lease laptops. I don't care what the rate is. I don't care any of it. Go lease. You, you need three laptops. So it's $12,000. I don't care if it's at 100% interest. Go do it and go get it done. Because what that does is that very expensive first interest that you built the payment. The next time you go to borrow money, I made payments. I have proof I can pay. I do this. So when you're starting your business, plan for the fact that I want to get here. Borrow money in small amounts and then each time make it bigger. Once you mm-hmm. get a line of credit, and I'm doing this at one of the nonprofits I'm with, we're getting a $500,000 line of credit. Company, This company should have had a $5 million line of credit by now. But they've operated all these years with no credit. So mm-hmm. we're, we'll get a $500,000 line and I'm having them pay all of the bills out of the line of credit, pay the line and of credit. And then pay them off. Yep. And, and so it's this in and out, in and out, in and out. But what will happen is the bank sees you using it because they like you to use it because they make money. And mm-hmm. so you paying it off, which means you have the ability to cover what you do. So you do that for six months and you go back, hey, we have this $500,000 line. Not enough. <laughs> Can you double it? They're like, yeah. And you're building the line while you don't need it. Right. And you reach to a problem. Now, all of a sudden, you can start borrowing against this line, and it becomes that cash reserve. So building building credit is a cash reserve. When, As a credit person, when you look at a business, you look at their available credit. Because mm-hmm. if they've got all their credit cards clear ran up, they don't have the ability to do anything else. Thank if you, they. Sure. And if, they, if they're at 10% of their credit usage, these people have, they hit a snag and they go, oh, yeah, my car engine blew up. Oh, here, put it on the credit card. It's, that's what you want, is to build where you, you have a lot of credit, but you're not using it all. And if you use right. it all, I mean, the other thing is, is, in today's world, if you're not using one of the giveaway credit cards, for everything you buy, really? I mean, I make 50 bucks a month for my credit cards by just spending money. Uh, right. It's what, and the people that don't do that, I'm like, that's free money. Right. So, and I because, don't, but, yeah, I, the, it becomes the fear, it becomes the fear of, of having debt, you know, having that gorilla sit on your shoulder and having concerns. So it's, I, I think the people that don't do that are living in a fearful money world, rather a, um, abundant money world. And, and it's just, that's a mind shift because there's, this is, this is one of my, my big things that I've taken from the banking world. This is, this is a, a way to really leverage yourself, yeah. leverage your business, leverage your life 
everything goes by using other people's money. So it's, it's, it's super important. And, and if you have some challenges with it, there's lots of ways of doing it. You know, um, Bruce and I will both sit down and run some strategies with you to build that up. It's, it's super easy, but it is essential and so important for your business to have that. So let's get on with number nine, because we're going on again. Whenever Bruce and I get together, man, we'll talk for hours. I swear, we, 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 just, we just bounce off each other with these great ideas. But let's move on to number nine. Number nine is your accounts payable and your accounts receivable. You absolutely must monitor this in your business. The things that we worry about is, are you getting paid fast enough? And one, one of my favorites is, are you getting a premium for the time if you're letting it carry out 30, 60, 90 days? You know, what, what I... I think, I think premiums are important. If you're borrowing money from the bank, you're paying interest. So if you're borrowing money from me by paying 30 or 60 or 90 days later, then you better be paying me a premium. And then the same thing, if I'm asking for, for a, a time, I would expect that I'm going to pay a little bit more for that product. Well, it's a lot of industrials are uh, 3% for 10 days. So they'll give you a 3% discount if you pay within 10 days. That, that's built into their pricing model. Mm -hmm. So they flip it around. So if you pay early, you're really getting the cash price. And if you don't, they've already packaged the price in yes. for the interest on it. And if you're, the one that I love is I have a service, uh, you and I. I if I, I bill it to 50 an hour, if I give somebody 150 an hour and then it takes them three months to pay, that was dumb. Right. Uh, it's you have to look at your modeling on not just how much you're going to make, but how you're going to get paid because your accounts payable is somebody you're borrowing money from somebody else. Your accounts receivable is you've lent the money to somebody and you need to, The other thing that I just love is you need to at least once a week go through your agents. And see mm -hmm. who's not paying you. Because how would you feel if you've got a client that's not paying you that you're still giving service to? Uh, and you don't know. And the thing is, is don't something as simple as accounts payable aging or accounts receivable agents, reading those once a week, you shouldn't trust somebody else to do that. It's your business. That's one of the places that you babysit. Because if you watch it properly, it's going to help make your business more profitable. Uh, I did a talk to a guy a few months ago on a job and he said, well, I need help. I, two of my clients owe me $500,000. He's, he's a $5 million a year company. So 10% of his company is his sales are gone. And that's probably and, his Probably all. And I was going to say, that's also, that's also his operating cash. So he's got to take from some other fund so he can pay his, his help, his support, his building expenses, his operating costs, all that, you know, he's, he's lent conceivably become the lender and lent that guy, you know, $500,000. And that's ridiculous. But here's the best part of the thing. When I said, are you not watching your accounts receivable report? He goes, I don't have one of those. <laughs> and, Right. This, is, this is one of those do the job right. And well, it might cost you a little money over here. It might have saved you $500,000 to do $800 worth of accounting a month. I'm thinking there's a fair trade here. Right. <laughs> so so it, it's 
it's we're this is our heart good accounting then read your good then read the reports and react to them you, you've got to have good accounting that's up to date not three months behind not three weeks behind but that's up to date and then read the reports and and you've got to understand that that this is part of business. It's not just your service or widget. It is monitoring how your business is run. And that's why managing the aging on your accounts payable and your accounts receivable is so important. Well, I mean, you're letting money fall through the cracks and someone's walking all over you. If you had a house and you rented it out, you wouldn't, you know, if they don't pay the rent on the first of the month, by the, by the 5th or the 10th, you're calling them going, hey, dude, you haven't paid the rent yet. It's the same thing in your business. You've got to monitor it. Well, and like yesterday, Friday, we both talked to, to someone and she sat down and she said, I'm not a business person. And you're running a business, so you're a business person, okay? Yes. Let's so getting a business person's brain. Yeah, well, but let's be real and talk about what you are. And so many people, I mean, I can tell you the people that have great businesses that are a complete mess all say one thing. I'm not a business person. I'm not a business person. Well, I'm sorry you are. So start, <laughs> so start thinking that way. Start acting that way. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about payment processing. I think that um, we're in a world of credit. Everybody uses credit cards or credit in one way, shape, or form. I mean, if you, I don't know how many of y'all look in your wallet and see how much cash you've got in there. I've got enough to tip ballet. And, you know, if I want to buy a pack of gum or a candy bar somewhere, otherwise I don't carry cash. And businesses don't carry cash either. And your consumers are probably not going to be carrying cash. So one of the big things that, that we all need and have to have is great credit card processing and um, managing the, the fee structure, and more importantly, how soon you have access to that money. Because again, this is, this is cash flow. This is operating money. You did a service. They swiped a credit card. You want to get paid. What are the fees on it? And how soon are you getting the money? Well, and today they say about 88% of all business is done electronically. Exactly. Okay. So this is a big big cost center to you also. And if you look at when you're interviewing your merchant account people, have them give you the reports they give you ahead of time. Because I have one group that I deal with and it's actually several that will give me a report at the end of the month and it shows all of my intake and all of the charges and then it gives me, here's what you paid for all of these and here's your percentage. And it gives it to me as a percentage, so I know what I'm doing. Okay. And then you go to Wells Fargo, who I love to pick on, and to get an aging from Wells Fargo because they do this half-and-half half month thing, you literally need three months' worth of reports to get the middle month's worth of information. And when I worked with those guys, it drives me crazy because I want to know what it is. And what they wanted was exactly what I did. I got tired of trying to figure it out. It's just, here are my charges, here's what I paid. And you have to look at it globally. And I prefer to look at it month to month. And the other thing is, is depending on what, what you do, you may need to use a different merchant service. Uh, There's what, plenty of them out there that are 
fabulous for you that can answer a lot of questions and that are um, more on the independence. Just because you're at Wells Fargo doesn't mean you need Wells Fargo credit card merchants. They want you because that's another that's another stream of income that they earn from you. But that doesn't mean that you have to be there. Shop around, but, shop around, and negotiate for everything that you're doing in your business. You're 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 valuable to all these merchants and all these all these um, service providers. So you have a little bit of leverage to negotiate. It's it's a big income item actually, right? For these people and. Wells Fargo, and I'm just picking on Wells today, I guess. Uh, this is what they do. Their nest is really small. If you do something out here, they're going to decline you. Well, just because Wells Fargo declined you doesn't mean you're getting declined. I'm sorry. I thought I turned those off. Yeah, uh, I'm listening to your dings there, you know. So come on, Bruce. Uh, hey, um, let's, let's move on because we're running out of time here, and I really want to finish up this last one. This is number 10. Um, this is taxes. And we want to make sure that you're taking advantage of every opportunity that the government gives you. We're not telling you to go do things illegal, but the government has set in place for us business owners, tremendous opportunities in tax deductions, um, uh, tax benefits that, that as a small business owner, you absolutely need to make sure you're taking advantage of. These are normal credits that um, that we have to look at. And if you're not looking at it, you're just throwing money down the drain. So um, like R&D credits, like uh, hiring um, uh, people, um, I think it's uh, Watts. Um, Watts. I think it's Watts. Yeah. Um, those are just two. There's, there's tons of credits. Um, there's tons of opportunities because you are the lifeblood of our economy, us business owners. And the government understands that because you're putting an influx of money into the economy, you're hiring people, and you're doing business. And that's why they want you to take advantage of these opportunities. So what I have to say here may not make everybody happy, but not all CPAs or accountants understand this. They're often looking backwards. This was last year's tax situation, and they're looking backwards. You need to make sure that you have forward-thinking strategists in your, in your tax um, group as that advisor that's saying, hey, you have an opportunity. If you do this, 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 and that, you have an opportunity to save on taxes. I mean, it's crazy if you're leaving that stuff on the table. So you've got to think about this in a different way. Well, to me, the role you just described is not your CPA. It's you and I. Right. Well, and, and you know, you got to have, you got, you also have to have a CPA that's going to, that's going to, because you and I are going to come up with these strategies. We're going to talk about these um, pieces on it and, and, and do that, but then we're not necessarily going to execute on it. We're going to go back to the CPA. And if we have a CPA that's constantly looking backwards, they're going to throw their hands up and say, oh, that's too much work or, oh, you don't qualify for that. When, when you and I know that they would. Well, so it's, it's having a gr the right team. But I heard one of the guys I'm working for right now said CPAs do things to make life easier on them, not what is best for you. Mm -hmm. And the case I'm working on, I'm going back and restating an audit from a year ago. And uh, restating an audit is not something you normally do. And normally when you do, it's bad news. And I'm restating the audit for good news. It's going to make put a lot more money on it. And if your CPA answers any question with this phrase, you should run. And that is, 
that's the way we've always done it or anything <laughs> because rules change, life changes. And I want my CPA thinking forward with me, paying attention. And there are some really great CPAs out there. Absolutely. And there are some really not so great. There are some really great CFO, fractional CFOs out there and some not so great. So it's understand your staff. And the other thing is, is use people that spend all of their time in it because a CPA spends all of their time in audit mode or tax mode. A CFO spends all of their time trying to make you work bigger, better. And I think strategies, I think that you're much better off to meet with a CFO once a quarter, talk about where you're going and what you're doing. And they have a different view. And it's, you don't need me in your office or you in the office every week. But if you're doing all, once we get everything fixed and working right, once a month is probably enough. Uh, the The group I'm working with, when I get all done with them, they'll probably see me one day a week for life because it's a big company. But they don't need me in their office five days a week. They need me there to do this and handle this and then gee, this thing goes everywhere with me, you know? And, 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 and that's, that's why we love the term fractional is that for most of us, um, we're the first um, CFO a business owner has in their business. Once you read, reach a certain level, you're going to hire a full-on CFO who's going to be part of your leadership team. But for most small businesses, they need our advice and our guidance, but they don't necessarily um, need us full-time. So that's where the fractional piece comes in. So I love it. But let's keep it. Let's keep rolling here. So um, let's talk about reinvestment in your business. Um, Do you believe, Bruce, that there's a huge tax benefit for reinvesting in your business? Yes, absolutely. Really? (laughs) Yeah, you got to ask. Yeah, I know. Well, come on. Okay. Well, but there's lots of advantages to reinvesting in your business, and there's lots of reasons to do it. But make sure you account for it right. Make sure because if you take income that you've earned and you've taken it out of the company and then you put it back into the company, that's a loan to the company. Mm-hmm. And you're loaning, lending money to yourself. You don't want it to go in as equity. You want it to go in as a loan. So at some point you can take it back out tax free. Yay. But yes, that's the whole idea. But, but you also want to do this in, in what we talked about in the strategic spending side. You're going to want to loan the company that money but you're also going to want to do it in a, in a manner that it's going to pull back and create more investment, more income, more opportunities for you. And, and every city has tax credits. Every city has all kinds of different things to do to help you. And if you don't go meet with the city manager once in a while and ask them what they're doing and where they're going, if you don't listen to, if you know, these state of the city breakfasts, they're dull and boring. But if you don't go to them, you're missing something. If you're not a face that your city sees all of the time, you're And they won't know how to support you. Right. And if they have, uh, Long Beach has these opportunity loans. They're at, they might as well be at zero interest for 10 years. It's, they, they're actually losing money on it. But Long Beach does this because they, because they want the opportunity of the growth in their own community. They're investing in their own community. And they're not huge loans, but they're not small either. And if you don't spend the time to know about it, it's the same as first-time buyer loans and all of these mm-hmm. other. 
there's things out there to help you. If you stay in your cocoon and don't socialize or network with you or learn or learn with the people, you're never going to get there. And every city wants you to be successful. You know, everybody says, oh, the city hates me. The planning department hates me. All of these people hate me. They don't hate you. They just want to, they want to make sure the job's done right. And it's one of those things. If don't fight with them, if they say you need to do this, all right, go do it. It's, you're going to spend all this time fighting with them and still lose. So just go do it. And talk to them though, because they will help you. There. All right. So w- one more piece so we can keep this going because we're going for a long one again, I tell you. So one final thing on the taxes that I want you to understand, corporate structure means everything. So you really need to sit down and figure out what is the proper corporate structure for you. Being a sole proprietor, if you're, if you're making brownies and selling them on the, uh, at, the, at the counter or at the corner or bringing them into offices, you probably don't need a, a, a corporate structure. But anything else, you really truly need that corporate structure for the tax breaks on it. So whether you're do, being acting as a pass-through or you're being double taxed as a C-corp, um, there's so many things that you really need to consider and, and your corporate structure will affect those taxes. So I'm going to say, um, let's get going on the rest of this. Um, what I have to say, Bruce, and I know you agree on this, nobody can be an expert on all of this. Um, we both suggest that you hire experts to help you manage your business. Um, you should have a team that, that supports you as, as an owner. Um, this is going to be a, a, the, the financial side like Bruce and I. You're going to have um, uh, accounting sides. You're going to have marketing teams. You're going to have legal teams. You're going to have human resource teams. You're going to have operations teams. Nobody should go about this um, on their own. We just happen to focus on the financial side because we both believe that everything you do in your business involves money. So why not have some good decisions on that and have a team of people that can support you great on that? Agreed, Bruce? Absolutely. You have, All right. have subject experts and meet with them all. Exactly. All right. So thanks so much for listening today. We, um, we really appreciate that you're, you're taking the time, Bruce, to come on and, and help me with these 10 things that you must monitor in your business. And, and I hope you found an idea or two that will put into your business that will give you more control over your money and make you more profitable. If you'd like to know specifically how to increase your own profits in your business, let's chat. Both of our contact informations will be in this podcast. And um, I am super excited to share with you my new book. Um, It's called Big Profit Secrets Exposed. This is some of my strategies on producing income and spending strategically that will help you. Um, There's a link uh, in the podcast if you want to pick it up. I truly uh, appreciate it. Also, if you want some notes on this podcast, um, those will be put out here real soon. Just hit me up with a quick email and I'll send them off to you. And as always, we'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and ideas on future shows. So just reach out to me at marcia at bellafinancialgroup.com. So you can catch Profit with a Plan uh, on any of your favorite podcast players. And we look forward to more profitable information on next week's show. So make your plans and profit with it. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you. Love you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.